Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ball Player Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our 110th episode of the podcast, where we get a chance to talk to Coach Brendan Monahan from Rutgers University. Coach Monahan is the recruiting coordinator, recruiting coordinator and pitching coach at Rutgers University. Um, this year he helped them, this past year he helped them set a program record of wins with 44 wins in 2022. Uh, looking to build off of that this year. Uh, at his time at Rutgers, he's been setting program records for strikeouts. Um, actually shattered, shattered the record uh, over 100 uh, with, with the record was 534, previous record was 398, 21. He helped the Scarlet Knights finish their highest conference winning percentage since joining the Big Ten. Um, previously coached at Bryant, where he helped them win conference, had the player of the year, finished either first or second in the league in strikeouts at each time when he's at Bryant. And he helped develop, recruit, and develop the only pitcher in Bryant history to win multiple pitcher of the year honors. He also served on staff at George Washington and UMass Lowell and where he also began his coaching career as alma mater at St. John's, coaching for helping with uh, Coach Blankmeyer at St. John's. So, um, but getting get a chance to coach, uh, talk to Coach Monahan. just uh, loved the individualization, the adjustments. I would say adjustments seem to become up a good bit during their conversation uh, and really coming down to what the person needed. Uh, what does each player need? In there's and it's not like he was set in a certain way. And I love one thing he touched base with. It's not about just checking a box, but doing it for the benefit of the player, doing the right work, not just doing the work. Um, you know, it's not activity; it's achievement. That's really what kind of how I guess we could kind of summarize it there. Um, so I just loved how he touched base with that. You'll see a lot of this. It just circles into like, what does the player need? And it, it's. It's a lot of work, and he touched base on a lot about communication. You know, if I'm going to figure out what works for one kid, it might not work for another, I got to talk to them. We have to touch base with them. We have to have an understanding of what's going on and need to figure out why these dots are not lining up. So touches base with a lot about these things, and I really love it. Um, had a great conversation, got some nuts and bolts of things, and it happened at a really interesting time. And, um, but I really appreciate Coach Monahan taking some time for us, uh, as well as just thanking our guys at Netting Pros. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in design, fabrication, installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BP screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital wall graphic padding. Windscreen, turf, turf protectors, but dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for other latest products and projects. So again, uh, big shout out to those guys. Uh, See firsthand their quality of their of their stuff. They sent me a got a chance to send them a, a, a L screen as well as one of their ball carts. First class, very well done, high quality stuff. Uh, so again, check those guys out. Will Meyer and those guys at Any Pros do it right. So thanks again for those guys and guys. Let's get let's get right down to him. Here he is, Brendan Monahan from Rutgers University. Awesome conversation, talking pitching. Brendan Monahan from Rutgers University. 
Awesome. Mike, Mike does a great job with it. And holy crap. He's it really detailed awesome. about it and he's really passionate about it because he he knows he knows the importance of it for, for you guys as an organization coming, the importance of it for us as a program. And there's there's no stone that he leaves unturned, that's for sure. And he's really detailed, he's really passionate about it, about everything he does, but with those in particular. Yeah, I mean, Coach, I think like he just yeah, when I first saw the schedule, I'm like, dude, this is going to be great. Like, this is going to be great. You can just tell, you know, and for me, and I get it, I'm pretty fortunate to be able to, like like yourself, guys like yourself have wanted to talk baseball and things like that. And, like, that's, like, a common thing that I just – you start to see with guys and they – just how detailed they are. You know, little files I'll send you are, like, uh, just, just, just those little details, I think, just really, truly matter, you know, to get more detailed. So, like – is that something that like is pretty common within your staff? That detail oriented. I think so. Yeah, I mean, myself, Steve, and Kyle have been together for this will be year seven. The three of us together, so we kind of know know each other pretty good at this point. And then Michael will be on year two, um, but we kind of got that sense, you know, about him when we were looking for someone for the spot and didn't really expect it to be at this level, but he, I think he kind of recognized what we do, wanted to bring his own little pieces to things um, and doesn't overstep his boundaries, but he's, you know, he wants to leave his mark for himself and for the program. And I think it just, it just clicks together. It, it's a really good working environment with all of us. Yeah. That's seven year, man. That's, that's that consistent. He's got, gotta really help you guys. I imagine that's going to be something that's really kind of got you to kind of where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. It's, it's been, it's been good to go to work with the same people. I bet. <clears throat> how, how did, how has that grown? Like from like year one to year to now, like how has uh, your staff grown with that consistency? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, Steve, Kyle and myself, obviously we came together, didn't know anything really about the ins and outs of Rutgers. Um, and then, you know, Peter Barron, our director of ops, you know, he's been there. I think he was there for two or three years before we got there. So he was really like our lifeline um, in terms of getting acclimated and who we need to talk to, how things work. Um, so that that was a huge help and, you know, still is to today um, with him on staff. But he was he's been important for us to be able to you know, navigate the transition um, and be able to kind of bring what what we do and what we've done in the past um, to Rutgers but understand kind of how to navigate the system and what we need to do and what the best way to kind of get things rolling. Um, so that, that's probably been a really important piece for the beginning phases of things with, with Pete as the director of ops kind of getting us transitioned. And then, you know, now kind of through all the COVID stuff and being able to kind of have a full year this past year of exactly how things are supposed to play out in terms of a fall of, a winter preseason and then you know the springtime obviously as well you know we just didn't have that for two years you know the first year we got through a fall but it was you know the first fall of a of a new a new job at a new spot and you know that was tough to kind of figure things out and then the season got cut short um but we utilized that time to get better as a program and then had some you know covid restriction stuff that next year but uh yeah we got through all that and kind of learned learned the league because we played everybody, which was important as well. And then, you know, here we are now kind of ready to kind of advance the program even further. 
What do you feel like uh, you guys take a, such a huge jump last year? I mean, just, you know, even like the national news are just like you guys not making the regional, um, which, you know, quite hot, unbelievable. You didn't. But like, so like, what would you say? Because uh, like you said, you've kind of you went through so much of that. It was tough, you know, they're going through COVID and everything. What has really gotten you guys? What do you feel like to this point? It's just the continuity of your staff. Like you just kind of are able to see where, but what was the big change that really kind of got you guys to where you are now? I think, I think Steve as a head coach is really kind of a lead at identifying individual teams with what they can and can't do. And we were just talking about that just, just yesterday in the office as we're getting ready for another fall is, you know, analyzing personnel, understanding what we need to do to win, how we're going to win. And obviously it's one thing when you sit in the office and you talk about what you need to do. It's another thing when you get out onto the field and start to let it play out. But, you know, that all goes back to like the recruiting of, of players as well. When you identify needs, you identify talent, you bring them in. Um, but every team is different, right? Like the team from, from this past season, you know, half of those guys are gone. So it's a completely different group, but we, we kind of, we feel really good about the group that we have. Um, but Steve's really good at kind of identifying how we need to win with, with, with the team that we have, you know, within the framework of things that are important, right? Some of our non-negotiables, some of our, our standards of, you know, what we emphasize, what's important to us, but then it's, it comes down to the personnel too, in terms of what you have or what you don't have and, and the way to win. And I think, you know, like I said, I think in 2021 playing every team in the league, um, kind of gave us a really a really good chance to kind of open our eyes to say like this is what the talent takes this is what the coaching takes this is what the preparation takes um you know we won some games we lost some games and it it wasn't just like a exhibition season but it was a really good learning experience for us to sit there and say like this is what the big Ten's about and if we want to be at the top these are things that that we need to do better or these are the things that we can't change um and obviously you know it's just one season, but I think we kind of found found our way with with doing a lot of those things. Yeah, I'm sure it's not going to be like a flash in the bucket, you know, kind of season. I just can't wait to see, you know, what you guys are going to do this year and how you guys are going to be, um, you know, hoping you guys get that regional, you know, and that's going to be great. Um, you know, just, I mean, as a, you talked about, I would, you kind of kicked my curiosity with like the non-negotiable, especially like the non-negotiable or seem like that's like a language that you guys have in the program. Can you speak a little bit about the non-negotiables? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it kind of comes down to really like three pillars really, I guess, of, of the program of, of toughness, commitment and development. You know, that's what we talk about every single day. Um, it's kind of something as a staff that we, we kind of developed a few years back. And um, I think Steve, along with Kyle and myself, we, we kind of sat down and, and kind of, I guess, peeled back some layers of the program when we were up at Bryant about like what's going right, why we're good, what we need to continue. And, and Steve and us kind of brought that with us here because it didn't, it wasn't a thing that was just about Bryant. It was about kind of, maybe us as a staff or, or what we, what we want to be about all the time. Um, and I, and our guys here at, at Rutgers really embraced it as well. Um, so that's something that we talk about all the time is, is toughness, commitment and development. And, 
you know, the order is kind of interchangeable. Um, but I think when you, when you talk about, you know, what it takes day in and day out, whether you're the player or whether you're the coach and doing it together, I think all three of those, those facets, um, you know, they really need to show up every single day. And that's part of your toughness. That's part of your commitment and ultimately is part of your development. Um, so, so like we, we really pound that into our guys and our guys, they really embrace that and they have come to understand what our expectations are as a staff, um, again, day in and day out, whether it's practice, whether it's class, whether it's study hall, community service, it, it really doesn't matter what it is. Um, those are, those are really like the three main pillars that, that we kind of base the program around. Um, and the guys that have, have that in them, or we build that into their DNA a little bit are the guys that, you know, find their way within the program and, and have a lot of success. And I, I would almost say like, it, it, it sounds like you said you brought this from Bryant and almost like as a staff, you've had this continuity where you can say like, it's just kind of how we are. It's kind of who we are. So, and I'm sure that probably helps you with maybe identifying the same kind of people that are just like you. Uh, I'm sure that probably helps with that. Uh, when you, Cause like you, you, you mentioned about like you lost half the team from last year. What are ways that you instill these non, these pillars, the toughness, commitment and development within that new team you have? I think it comes down to the, to the recruiting, right? I think it always comes back to recruiting. At, at this level um, at, at, in college athletics, it's, it's always about recruiting. It's, it's not necessarily just always trying to get ahead, but it's always about trying to identify, you know, the, that next group of kids or that, that one kid that, that you feel maybe either has that now or has ingredients that you could build into what they are now and, and kind of figure out what they're going to become. Um, and that obviously comes from, you know, relationship building with, with the kid, with the family, with coaches, um, really any, anyone that you can connect with. And, and we've done that, at, I think at a pretty good clip, both, you know, with high school recruiting and then also, you know, obviously now with, with the transfer portal, which, um, is, is very beneficial, but you know, there's, there's some danger to it too, where you could just be kind of out in the middle of the ocean trying to fish for for whatever you can find and it's not necessarily the best thing for your program um so we've taken a little bit more of i guess maybe like a specific approach towards the transfer portal um with some of the ways that we identify kids or where we're looking for them or how we're trying to cultivate them um, and that's kind of helped maybe accelerate the the age and the the ability level or the talent level at a, in a sense quicker um, while some of the freshmen can also develop within the program. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Like, how do you feel like, uh, cause I think everybody has a, a way. Over. I think Garza talked about this too, uh, when we were at camp is like, like how it's affected high school kids or how's it affecting really like the whole recruiting aspect um, as a program, so as your, as your program, but it really, in terms of, like you said, the freshmen, yeah, I think, um, yeah, the landscape of recruiting kind of not maybe constantly changes, but there's always development throughout the recruiting process and the way that that kind of transpires, whether it's the speed of it, um, the amount that that programs are bringing in. Like, I think a lot of the programs across the country are maybe slowing the pace a little bit from the high school ranks um, because the, the portal is just right there. And that's that's not a bad thing. 
um, for anyone really. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing for high school kids because I think in a sense, they're probably finding schools that truly desire them rather than, rather than them just becoming another number in their, in their recruiting class. Um, but there's also, you know, the, the reality where, you know, you could be a freshman in high school being recruited right now and four years from now, when you show up to college, that team or that position that maybe you think you have could be, could be taken up by someone that's three or four or five years older than you. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's obviously also the toughest thing when, when you're navigating all this recruitment right now. And I talk about it sometimes. It's like we recruit 15 to 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds even. Like that's wow. a large it's a large gap to cover. Yes, it is. Yeah, it just it doesn't make your job any easier. That's for sure. Um, that's for certain. Just, um, just thinking about like, uh, again, in terms of, you know, your non-negotiables and things like that. How do you incorporate that? US, I think it's great to kind of get your perspective on this as the pitching coach to how, how do you incorporate those kind of things within like your bullpen testing, your training sessions um, to kind of bring that out of your pitchers? Yeah, I think, you know, it comes down to, I guess, an understanding from a pitching standpoint with my guys of what they're trying to accomplish today, how that plays into tomorrow and how that plays into maybe just worrying about just a seven day period, right? Like I talk to them all the time about seven day cycle that you need to just try to master, try to perfect, be open to critiquing it. Um, but ultimately be able to repeat it over and over again, um, to be your best. And I think that's part of, you know, there's a toughness to that from a mental standpoint, because that's, that's tough to consume at times, whether it's, worrying just about today or worrying about how today is going to lead up to my next start or my next bullpen or what I need to do in between those, um, being committed to, to that process and building that and me helping guys kind of build that process. Um, and then again, you know, all of that is, is the development phase, but, um, you know, that's, that's the easy way to say it. And I guess the easy way to look at it and the hardest thing is, is actually going about it and, and executing it. Um, but I, I try to not to maybe dumb it down so much that it's really elementary to them, but I also try not to let them maybe get too far ahead of themselves and think, okay, you know, I got one more month or, okay, we got one more week of fall ball and then we can get a break. It's like, well, no, let's, let's kind of stay where we're at worried about today because today is going to lead into you know, your next bullpen, your next outing, your next start, your next appearance. Um, and trying to really just master those those traits and those qualities and, and what goes into each day and then how to get better over that period of time. Mm. Uh, I, I love uh, – so I the cycle, that's exactly uh, how I've kind of always thought of mine. This, that's just a cycle. Could you dive in? Because we got we have people from youth baseball to, to college coaches to kind of that listen in. Would you be able to dive into some details about what the seven-day cycle looks like? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of elements, obviously. That right, like let's it. say, okay, let's just say, for, for instance, because you're probably thinking starter reliever, I'm imagine. So let's just say in terms of like a, a starter, because a lot of times, because the little, little things that I like to educate people on so much, it's not so much the pitch count when they're in youth. It's like, what are you doing the day of and the day after and the three days and the two days after? Like for me, it's always been about that. So I would love, let's just say in a starter situation. Sure, yeah, I think 
the way I talk about it kind of day seven is, is that live outing is that start that you're building up towards. So I guess it's easiest to, to kind of maybe start with day seven, because that's the day that everything kind of centers around. Um, so you get to that start, that outing again, like you said, whether it's 65 pitches, whether it's hundred pitches, 110, like whatever it may be, if you're, you know, pitching once a week as a starter, um, you know, day one is that, is that recovery day where, you know, some guys, and I'm a big believer in, in kind of touching the ball and throwing the ball just about every day. Um, I've kind of grown to let guys not throw on that particular day. Again, it's, it's kind of like some preference and understanding, you know, the personnel and what they, what they do and how they go about it. But it's kind of like an optional throw day, heavier lift day, um, obviously a major recovery day at our level in terms of some soft tissue work, uh, mobility work, whether that's both upper and lower body. Um, and then day two and three is, is when you're starting to get yourself back into some more volume throwing, starting to get the arm moving um, at, a, at a better clip, building, building it back up. Um, you know, some more conditioning, some more lifting built in there. Uh, day four on, on just like a general programming standpoint is usually the bullpen day. Um, so guys are, you know, they're using day two and three to get themselves, you know, ready for day four. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier about, you know, what do I have today and how is that going to impact tomorrow or the next day? Um, because I have to talk to our guys sometimes about that in terms of like, you might, you might feel great on day two, but if you overthrow, what's that do for you on day three or you th throw too much on day three and now you set yourself back a little bit for day four. So that's where they have to understand and kind of build and critique their own system a little bit um, and, and figure out how that plays into each day. Um, again, to get to that day four where they're throwing a bullpen and that comes in all different shapes and sizes, obviously based on the previous outing, based on need, um, you know, there's a lot that can that can go and change with that. But most guys throw it on day four. Um, and then again, day five and, and day six are ultimately days that you're you're trying to recover from that bullpen and get yourself kind of really all hands on deck, geared up, ready for for that day seven. So some arm care, some more mobility, like we treat every touch of the mound pretty similar in terms of what you need to do from a recovery standpoint. And obviously a bullpen day is generally a lot different than a, than a live day, but we treat the recovery process pretty similar in terms of how we get range of motion back, how we get you feeling good, um, you know, to get to that, that next day seven and, and ready to go to be your best. I, lo I love, I love that. You know, just we treat this recovery the same way. And, and I love the, just the, re the reality of, uh, everything's based off of, of your routing, you know, like building the system, critiquing it each day, kind of like always kind of finding like letting your performance dictate my feedback where like, maybe I threw too much here. I was weight or like, I, I wasn't strong enough. I might be lifting or maybe I lifted too much. And, you know, you're always like, I just feel like that's so real. And I think your kids get that where like, it's not just like a robotic thing you got to just do. And you put it in there like, no, like this, it's like, we're gonna make adjustments as necessary. Right. I mean, I just heard just the just the other night, you know, Adam Wainwright talking about, you know, routine versus superstition, you know, and I think that that's he put it in a really good, a good, you know, phrasing and, and verbiage that I think is 
maybe what I try to talk about, but maybe haven't really portrayed it the same way that he did where, you know, there's a, there's a clear cut difference between having a routine and being flexible with it and having a superstition where you need it because you feel like that's the only thing that's going to make you good. And that could be dangerous on if you're confusing those. Yep. You're making adjustments in the routine. Timing. Right. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. I blew up on Twitter. Blew yeah, up it did. yeah. <laughs> it's not every day you get a guy warming up with the bullpen, mic'd up talking to. to I know. Well, it was super cool. But it's it's just it's just those are a good thing. I think that's what you know. I mean, it's good and bad of it. Just there's so much information, and you just you know. But that's such solid, really good practical information too. Because yeah. baseball guys have always had their quote unquote superstitions, but yeah, it's more of a routine and things like that. Like I remember, uh, like Roy Holiday. You know, he always talked about like his perfect game was like one of his worst bullpens. You know that he ever thrown, but yeah. he just you know just adjusted from it and. In Rome, so that's a routine, not necessarily a superstition. So I love that too. It was great. That's a great analogy, Coach. That was awesome. Coach Owens always, always before every game, I come down from the bullpen into the dugout. Every game since I've been with him, he asked me, "How'd that go?" The warm, the bullpen, the warm up, and uh, I was like, "Well, we'll see how this goes because it wasn't very <laughs> good, or that was the best one I've ever seen." And you know, it really doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know? But it's funny. Like, uh, I, I never lied to him about him. Like, I don't know. This could be bad. And guys go out <laughs> and have great outings. And guys are guys are really good down there. And it's it's not what happens in the game. But mm. he always asks. Oh, yeah. It's it's hard not to, you know. It's hard not to. But, oh, that's cool. That's funny. <laughs> um, That was really – that was awesome. I love the day one through seven. So, um. How how do you handle like relief pitching? Is relief pitching just kind of comes and goes? Like, how are you able to? Um, how does that the cycle change within a relief pitcher? Yeah, I think it it obviously depends on you know their outings in terms of you know at the college level, a guy could maybe pitch twice on a weekend depending on you know how much volume they throw on a say on a Friday. They could be back on a Sunday, or some guys go back to back days. Um, so obviously that all changes things, but the I guess the crux of it comes down to like, I, I try to keep our guys on the mound, no more than like three days in between. So like if a guy, he might go out and pitch two or three innings and he's done for the weekend. Um, so he's going to need a couple of days to kind of get himself recovered and built back up. But it's generally like no more than three days without being on the mound in some form or capacity. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean it's like a full fledged bullpen, I've had a lot of guys that just like to get up there and have a catcher at, you know, 50, 55 feet. We call it a short box and just get another 12 or 15 pitches and just feel themselves down the mound and kind of get themselves right where some of them, that's really all they need. Um, You know, those guys are obviously a little bit tougher at times to manage throughout the course of a season because there's so much variability to their cycle and their availability and, keeping them sharp without overusing them in between. Um, And again, it comes down to a lot of the communication between myself and them. Um, Me trying to understand where they're at, them giving me feedback of of what they need and it being real. Um, Both of us, you know, player and coach being open to, to the adjustment of, yeah, we did this for a couple of weeks and it was going good, but something's different right now. So we need to kind of, alter some plans a little bit and kind of get you right. And we need to change a few things within 
you know, these, these days that we have. Um, and I think that's something that maybe I've grown and, and gotten better at in a sense over my time, because it used to be like, uh, like, let's not throw a lot because you're going to pitch and we don't know when. So I just want you to be fresh as, as you can be. And, and maybe they're, they feel the best, but they're not as, not as sharp because they haven't done enough. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's a delicate balance to it. And that's, that's ultimately where I think I've grown to, to communicate and, and get more out of my guys with communication to really understand, um, you know, what they need, what gets them feeling right, but beyond just feeling right, actually knowing that they're prepared, you know, cause they can, they can tell you what you want to hear and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're prepared. Um, and that's, you know, that's the thing as the coach that you always want is you want all your guys in a situation where they feel the best, they're prepared the best, and they're the, they're the most confident. Um, and that doesn't always come with, with more work, but it certainly doesn't come with less work. Or the right work. Exactly. exactly. Right. The right work. And it's amazing. I think like what you, I think you hit on the head is like, because I'm sure we all, you know, we're starting out, you're, you're building your, you know, who you are, and you got to be kind of like so rigid with it where you've kind of got in this, there's like, we're just kind of, kind of work and find what works for you. You know, like it takes a lot more effort on your part, coach. I'm sure it takes so much effort. Like I'm just thinking about, well, this kid can't get on the mound, but this kid likes a flat ground and this kid just needs to get a lift. And he's going over here where like, you're not going to see all 10 pitchers get up here and do this. Like we're just kind of everywhere. That's what I'm kind of thinking, visualizing your practices like coach. hundred percent. I mean, I got, you know, maybe anywhere from 17 to 21 pitchers at a time. And, um, I was just talking to our athletic trainer just the other day and it's, yeah, you got one pitching staff, but you might have, shoot, I don't know, 10 working groups that are doing all different types of things. Um, and that's, that could be daunting as a pitching coach. Um, it's obviously could be daunting as a player sometimes, especially if you're a freshman in a program and you're looking around like, what am I supposed to do? Because I've never mm-hmm. really practiced like this before. Um, and ultimately as a coach, you just want guys that are, not just doing things just to check a box, but they're doing it for a purpose and with a purpose, like you said, the the right work. Um, but there's also, you know, an element to where I need to ingrain into them that I can't just stand over 20 pitchers and make sure that you're doing every single thing that you need to do. There's got to be a major element of, of ownership um, with, with what they do from the pitching side of things, because if there's not, they're just going through the motions or, or they're lost. And then either way, it, it still comes down to me to, to get them doing the right things and understanding their why and how, and obviously then their ability to go and execute it. Okay. Understanding their why. So like, you'll get into like, like why they're there or why they're doing it. You're talking about like a purpose of that activity. Like we need to understand like why you don't want to get on the mound. Like, is that what you say? Like communication of like, or why, you're, why you are doing this flat ground or like that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's really anything like, yeah. However you want to interpret it, like okay, why you don't want to get on the mound. Okay. That's fine. Um, and I, and I never try to pressure guys to do things that maybe they're uncomfortable with um, in terms of like a health standpoint, like uncomfortable is the, is the job of a coach I think is to put guys in uncomfortable situations and see how they, can react and thrive or, or fail in those um, not in a sense of putting them in peril from a health standpoint, but okay. Like if you don't want to throw, you don't want to get on the mound today. What's the reason? Like why, 
why do you not want to? Is it you're not recovering well? Okay, then I need to figure out a different plan to get you recovered um, to maybe have you right for this day or your, your recovery is taking longer. Okay, did something, did I miss something in the outing that's setting you back? Or is we just kind of at a point where, you know, you're maybe just this process taking a little bit longer as we get deeper into the season and we need to manage your workload a little bit different. Um, that's Those are the layers that I try to peel back in terms of the communication. It's like, okay, like that's fine if you don't want to do this or that, or I think you need this and it's something's not connecting. Okay, like we need to figure out why these dots are, are not lining up with each other. What are we, what are we missing here through this process? Or how do I need to adjust your, your routine? How do we need to do it together so that we can be on the same page? And I know, yeah, like today's the day this, that you normally do this. Let's do it. And if it's not, okay, what's going on? Like, why are we not feeling right at this point? Because this has been your, your system for a while and it's worked. Mm-hmm. So with all of these things, and this is going to sound very daunting, like you said, it's daunting. How do you manage it? Like, what would you suggest is like, how do you manage it? We've talked earlier about like being detail oriented. So like how, what are the ways that you're organizing it, managing it all. And then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, holding them accountable for those things. Yeah. I try to, you know, I try to track, you know, each guy individually, like my, my practice plans are set up, you know, in a general layout, but it's got individual, you know, rows and columns for each guy things that they need to accomplish on a daily basis. And, you know, obviously with, within baseball, within pitching, there's, you're going to find whether it's a lot of guys or groups of guys or individual guys that have things that they need to do on a daily basis. Some of it, you know, maybe covers eight or nine guys at a time doing the same thing, just with how some of the systems flow. Um, But again, for me, it always just comes down to communication. Like I try to be proactive with communication. It's, It's usually not something where I, I just show up to practice that day and I say, okay, who wants to throw a bullpen today? Who mm-hmm. needs to throw a bullpen? Um, like if I'm doing that, I'm, I'm way behind, you know, I'm not prepared for practice and I'm not going to have my guys prepared for practice. Um, so that I think that part of that communication has to happen, you know, way before you put things in place, even on a daily basis. Um, so I can communicate with guys and kind of get an idea because, just like you said, there's, there's different working groups. And if they're, they're throwing a bullpen, then their lift is going to be different than a guy who's not. And I need to communicate that to the strength coach. And I need to make sure our trainer knows who's throwing bullpen so he can work on guys and get them recovered. So it's not just, you know, me in a bubble trying to, trying to handle guys. It's, it's like a a three-headed monster almost in terms of myself, our strength coach, our, our trainer, getting guys right and getting them in a good place as well. Yeah, it's, and then I'm sure that you guys have, like you said, and going back to the consistency that you've had within your staff and the, and the meetings that you have, and you kind of know it, all knowing how you work, I'm sure all of that just kind of, that communication piece is already kind of laid in there with you guys as well as staff. Yeah, it is. You know, it's it's not like football where it's, okay, you got offense over here and you got defense over here. I mean, like at times, obviously it is right. in terms of how practice goes, but there's also, you know, crossover with, with catchers catching bullpens and them having batting practice and, and offensive uh, rotations and all that. But we talk all the time and, you know, in the office for probably an hour or two a day in terms of getting, getting our team prepared for a practice and, and what all we need to accomplish. And we kind of look at it the same way, like, okay, we got two days to practice. 
we got an inner squad in the fall or we got a game. Now what do we need to do to get better from that game individually, collectively? Um, so yeah, there's a lot of communication, you know, obviously that goes into just a single practice. Mm-hmm. So here's a question. I have, it's just kind of getting with the games, right? Um, is when you guys go to, go to play and cause those are days, like let's say somebody's cycles coming up with like on a uh, Saturday, Saturday during the conference is like day, day three and four or no day five and six. Do, is that all pregame work for you? Or is it sometimes that you're allowed to them to then maybe get even get on the bullpen as a work time? Uh, are you using just the game or is it all pregame or just and the game is for our team? The game's for the team. Um, I think really like the only time that that comes into play is maybe like those midweek games, those Tuesday, Wednesday games with some relievers that, you know, they're hot, they're available, they're on the board that day. And, you know, the game just doesn't dictate that they that they're used or that they need yeah. to be used. But, you know, we don't play tomorrow, then we're leaving. Um, yeah. You got to be ready. So some of those guys might hop up there just as if they're warming up to come into a game um, and get like a, a bullpen session, a little, a little touch on the mound. Um, but besides that, like the game's the game, you know, you're, if you're available, you're available. And if you're not, everything is taken care of pregame. And then, you know, you're, you're part of the team to get the, the energy in the right spot um, from the game standpoint. But yeah, during, during the season um, and that, you know, that's the fall too. Like when we're playing, like we're playing, the game starts, everyone's ready for the game. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think that's an important element of camaraderie of, of learning um, and cohesiveness. Sure. And then also just being part of the staff too. Like, you know, I just, it was just certain things. I know, like, like you said, you're just kind of everywhere with everybody's schedule. Like, ha- like again, just managing all that and, you know, having a system within that, but at the same time, like we're working together and, and I know you guys, that's an important piece, um, especially within your three pillars. So, um, you know, just, just, just curious to how, how that, how that all plays. Cause I'm sure it's a lot, you know, so it's a lot trying to get everybody ready to roll. Yeah. And there's some guys that maybe need to, you know, make a little bit of a time adjustment and t- different time commitment to, to getting some of their stuff done. Um, but I think when you when you got a group of guys that don't mind going to work, then that's not a problem. Heck yeah. Amen to that. That's awesome. Um, I knew, cause you know, you got to get rolling here soon. So, but my last thing is like going into like the pitcher reliever thing. I was just curious, like um, how you're identifying, you know, from a pitcher standpoint to reliever standpoint, uh, Cause it sounds like a lot of guys, it's just a matter of like, is it just really based off of a guy? Like he's able to come back, you know, and you have other guys that just like, after they throw, like they just need the days, you know, like this guy could be a starter, but like he could throw every other day for us. You know what I mean? So I'm just thinking about how you identify that, like the chain, like he's talked about adjustments the whole time, you know, like how he have kind of adjusted from a starter to reliever. I think it, it probably starts first and foremost, I think, with stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, at our level, if if you only have two pitches, like they need to be really elite for you to to start in the Big Ten and I think get through a lineup three times. Because um, you could do that and do it once. You can get through that lineup once if you have two elite pitches. If you don't have three, it becomes really difficult. Um, there's just so much balance, I think, in our conference of – right, left splits, guys that can do different things, teams that are, that are really good, um, that you need to be able to attack a lineup, you know, differently throughout the course of an outing. 
Um, so I think that that's probably first where it starts. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, it's great to have those guys. Like if you get a guy that can, that can pitch and that arm responds and it's, it's fresh. It, it's nice to put him out there and say like, well, we're going to get six innings out of him maybe over the course of a week. Does yeah. it really matter if it's just in one day or if it's in three days, like he's going to help us. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and I think that's something that we did a little different this year than we've ever done in terms of like managing our pitching staff. It was a little bit, maybe I guess in sense of, I don't want to say like a deficit, but more of just like identification of what we had or maybe didn't have in terms of like what you want to quote unquote, true starting pitchers that guys that maybe could stand out there for seven or eight innings where we didn't really feel like we, we had that to be really consistent, but we felt like the strength of our team was, you know, we had more guys that could do different things with guys that gave us some different looks. So we were able to kind of get starters out of the game uh, maybe before they kind of got themselves into trouble where maybe they felt like they could stay in, but we knew to give, to get a different look. Like we got through the lineup twice. We've got guys from both sides that can do different things. We've got some guys, like you mentioned that we know that can respond and come back again if we use them the right way. Um and, and I think we kind of just kept our, our guys out of their own way and gave teams different looks. And, um, you know, that's, that's the job of, of the coaches is to kind of manage things the right way, understand your personnel, and then put them in the best position possible to succeed. Um, you know, we had, we had some guys that got kind of mad at us at times because they wanted to stay in there. And there was times that we let them ride. You know, we left them in there. And there was other times we said, yeah, we've seen this before. This is where it ends. And usually it works. Sometimes it didn't, but you know, you live and die with those decisions. And when you're, when you're prepared with the decisions and when you try to execute it, you know, you can put your head on the pillow and say, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like we were caught off guard and we got blasted because we weren't ready for something. We didn't manage it the right way. Um, When we, we communicate with, with the pitchers, when we communicate as a staff and we have plans and we want to just try to go and execute it, it allows you to maybe manage the game a little better, right? The game always complicates it enough, but when you have a little, when you have a plan in place, I think that's kind of what we did a little bit better maybe than we ever have in terms of putting the guys in a position. And then, you know, our, our communication level of, of being prepared and how we want to get to the next guy and put the guys in the right position. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's just a, just I love the thing. Just I, and I love the, the quote of like you talk about get get keeping kept guys out of their own way, you know. Like talk about a great a great thing there, you know. Just especially like I think it comes with so much. Like I just feel like again the communication piece you touched on so much, um, making adjustments, you know. It, it just sounds like, you know, there, there's the, the, the rigid. The, the, there's no rigid. Uh, to say rigidy, <laughs> uh, but it's just like, I just feel like it's real though. You know what I mean? Like, and I think guys appreciate that nowadays, especially because there's so much nonsense um, that it just seems real, man. Like, that's what I really, I, I really have just liked through all of this. Like, it's just like, it, this is the real plan. Like, we're not just like, not just set up and just, not just putting a plan out there just to put a fancy plan up. Like, all right, we'll, we'll make adjustments to do that. And I just think, Kids have to pretty much res- like have to respect that. I think so. You know, we we give our players a voice. You know, there's there's a voice for them individually, collectively as a team. Um, 
Now, I'm just, there's parameters I'm, that are set from that too, you know, like they know that where the coach is, but they know yeah. that they, they have insight. They have, they have some say into their own, their own development into their team because when the players are, are the ones that are leading it, then you have a pretty good team. Yeah, for sure. And I'm just, and I'm just thinking about the, like, the, like this flexibility and communication. Is this how, is this how, uh, have you, have you guys always kind of worked out this, this way? Or have you kind of found this niche and this is kind of how you've been operating for, you know, for the five out of seven years, you kind of gotten to this point and it just kind of, it has now came to this. I think we always have. Um, but I think it, it's always different based on your team. Sure. Right? Like, sure. Some guys got to stick on more than some of those older guys. And yeah, sure. Yeah. Like you learn your team and you know, okay, we've got a strong group that can, can run this show for us. And, and they, they've got our back just like we have theirs. Um, and then there's, you know, there's teams where it's, man, they're really young. We're running, we're running a lot of youngsters out there and they just need to kind of be, be organized, be put in place and, and kind of trained a little bit more, just like they're, they're a young dog um, <laughs> until they learn their way. And then, that's how they learn their ways by seeing their failures and seeing their successes and still being run out there. Um, but yeah, I think it, it, it changes based on your team, how much, sure. how much leash they have. Sure. You know, um, I, I know I, I respect your time here. I know you got to call here real quick. Just anything, any last kind of piece of advice, maybe something we haven't touched on that you want to kind of get into uh, any kind of last uh, closing remarks, I guess you could say. Yeah. I mean, I guess, um, you know, with what you do with, with the high school kids and, and, and travel ball, um, you know, something that I, I hope people have got a greater appreciation for is just playing the game. You know, that so much gets caught up in, in us as the college coaches being at games and the recruiting process. And, you know, I think COVID maybe slowed some of that stuff down. And I think in a good way, um, cause I hope that kids kind of get a greater appreciation for just playing the game and not getting wrapped up in the recruiting processes that being the end all be all Um, because when you play the game, you do it with, with a passion for the right reasons, you know, things find their way, how you want them to play out. Um, And I think if, if you try to set your expectations toward just being recruited versus playing the game for the right way and with your team, and hopefully it's to win and, and to develop. And, you know, that's stuff that we, we emphasize is, is obviously the development, but also winning, like winning is important to us. We want guys that like to win, that know how to win and what it takes. Um, and that's that's separate from when the recruiting process. That's how you get better as a player. That's how you get better as as a teammate um, is going out and playing, you know, to, to do it for the joy of being with your teammates and also to to win and be the competitor. Um, and that's ultimately, I think, what what ends up standing out to us when, when we get to the recruiting part. Coach Monahan from Rutgers University, giving us some great details, great information um, on the pitching cycle. Uh, love to just tell the individualization about it, the realness of it. Right, you're not just checking a box. I'll do it X, Y, and Z, um, but it's also about being real. You know, days two and three should look like this. Or day four and five should look like this. Uh, it's again, again that depending on the week, depending on the time of year, depending on you know, what their body's feeling at that time, you know, depending on weather, like there's just different things that come up all the time. So I just, just felt it was so real. I just felt 
you know, uh, something that you just need to have a, a, a mature mindset of and wrap your head around, like, we can have all these things laid out, but, like, you know, the best plan is, one, am I communicating with my players? Am I, do I know what they, do I know what makes them tick? Do I know what they need? Do I know where they're at? Am I communicating with them? And then or do we have flexibility within the program to be able to go off of it? You know, do I have that trust with them? You know, again, that comes back to your communication. It comes back with your relationship with them, you know, to be able to have the flexibility, to have the trust in order to, you know, divvy and to see maybe make some different adjustments on their program. And I just love the realness and authenticity of that, um, you know, and, and, and just his, oh, excuse me, just, um, just the way that he is able to, um, his presence uh, and being able to talk about and, and, and use, and I think this comes with so much consistency and knowing how everybody works, but just building those non-negotiables, building the pillars within the pitching program and, and, and seeing how it all rolls and rolls together with the toughness, commitment and development and, de- and using those. I think we all can take something a bit from there. It was like, you know, those are the long term. Those are the big or, or, or overarching. And like coach Monahan said, it was non-negotiables. These are our pillars. These are our core values. However you want to say them again, I love how you said non-negotiables. You can tell like that's part of their language. You don't just say non-negotiables. Like that's part of their language. So I think we all, another thing we all take away is like, what is your, what is our language in the program? And like Chuck's box, like talked about like him in Hartford, like he would go over all the different parts of language that are in their program to define them. You know, so non-negotiable, that stuck out to me because that's something specific to them. And so what is ours? Like, what do we use? We use core values. Do we use principles, standards, non-negotiables, pillars, whatever the case is. And everything revolves around that from their bullpen work to their cycle work uh, to their day-to-day work and how that all kind of fell under those umbrellas. So I just love that. Um, you know, just getting them to understand that purpose and how they're going about their work. You know, another good quote from Coach Monahan. Loved it. Again, thank you so much, Coach Monahan. Appreciate it. Like I said, just a unique time. I know this might come out like middle of September, um, but the time that we got a chance to talk was pretty special, uh, unique. Something I think that I know I'll, I'll remember giving a chance to talk to him at a very unique time. So, thank you to the listeners. Thank you guys for listening to us here. Thank you, Coach Monahan, for taking some time, as well as thanking Netting Pros for sponsoring another episode of Better Men, Better Ball Players. So, until next time, keep getting better.